Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. As I say some weeks, most weeks, actually, to be honest, when I remember, I hope you enjoyed last week's show, The Movement Journey with John Lindsay. Super interesting guy, and I really hope that some of you are somehow inspired, motivated to start to implement a daily practice into your life. That's all I'll say on last week's show. This week, as you've seen from the title, I'm going to talk a little bit about failures. It's just me and my dulcet tones for the next 30 to 40 minutes. Failures somehow are encouraged in a way. Are they? Are they more accepted? Do people view failure as something different? Fail, fell forward, it's good to fail. These are all comments that we seem to hear more frequently these days. Or are we trying to encourage people to try things and not be worried about the outcomes? If this sounds like a bit of you, or you've had a failure, and you're looking to bounce back, see, that's cliched in itself, isn't it? But you're looking to pick yourself up. (laughs) This show is all for you. This is episode number 767 of the Inner Fight Podcast. A big fat fail. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to kick this one off. I'm taking you a little bit down what we'd probably call memory lane or just winding things back a little bit. We're going back to, where should we start? Let's go back to 2009. And this is a little bit about a journey that I was on. 2009 actually was the year that I played in the Rugby World Cup Sevens, probably one of the highest points of my career. Rugby World Cup Sevens was staged here in Dubai and it was huge. Playing out at the Dubai Sevens Stadium in front of 30,000 people. And I'd said that this would be, it was in April of 2009. And I actually said that that would be the end of my rugby career. We had such an awesome time, great team, great people, and it was not the right time to stop. Fast forward to December of 2009, and a Welsh bloke of all hit me quite hard, slammed me on the floor, and did something to my right hip that just caused this insane amount of discomfort and swelling. It was, aside from when I ruptured ligaments in my knee, it was the only time in my whole rugby career where I had actually pulled out of a tournament after day one. It was really quite a big moment for me. I pulled out because the pain was too much. And I didn't want to get hit again because I literally didn't think I'd be able to take another hit. That was the end of my rugby career. It was actually not the last time, but I think I've only played once since and didn't really enjoy it that much, which probably is why I've only played once since. But that was the last time I played in front of all of those people for so much at stake, 
for friends that I enjoyed playing against on the world stage. And now it was time to move on. Another guy also bowed out during that, that sevens tournament. And he called me about a week later. And he said to me, well, we don't have any rugby to train for. Why don't we run the Dubai Marathon? Dubai Marathon, as it was until COVID hit this year, has now been postponed again because apparently there's a World Cup that no one knew about, was in January. And now it's going to be in January 2023. So we haven't had one for a few years. It was supposed to be in October, November this year. But because of the World Cup football, it's now moved to January 2023. It was in January of 2010. And my friend called me mid of December and said, let's give it a run. And I was like, let's do it. Let's 100% do it. Obviously, I knew, <laughs> I knew things, but I didn't know all the things about running. And I definitely didn't know all the things about running marathons. I'd run since I was young. And at school, I'd represented my county. I'd raced at English school. So it wasn't like I was coming into this cold. However, this was my first marathon. And I was a little bit bullish about it. Perhaps you could say, I've used the word bullish. Others might say arrogant. Maybe <laughs> you could use that. And I said I would run this marathon under four hours, which for those of you that have run a marathon or have any knowledge of running marathons, it's not super fast, but it's kind of like a benchmark. Everyone or a lot of people want to run under four, except Kipchoge obviously wants to run under two and has. And so we start training and training was very simple. Day one, we ran the first half of the course, which in that time was from Media City all the way down to the flagpole. And then we did a couple of runs during the week. And the following weekend, we ran from the flagpole back to Media City. So now we knew the course, although we probably knew the course anyway, because it was straight along the beach road, up Al Sufa Road and into Media City. And then we did a nice long run on the palm because I'd read in the books that you should always do a long run. We still do that with clients to this day. So the books were right and this was the right thing to do, confirmed by my years of research since. And we actually ran pretty much every frond that was open on the palm. In those days, and I'm not sure even still now if all the fronds are actually open on the palm or not, but they were not back then. We mapped it out. And from the costa, which was on the trunk of the palm, I'm not sure if that's still there, as you might have noticed. I don't really go to the palm that much. Talking of running, I think the last time I went to the palm was when I ran one of my marathons there in 2018, so about four years ago now. Anyway, we've got 30k route. We did that. A couple of runs midweek of varying sorts. I still use some threshold work, a little bit of tempo work, and we were ready or oh, should I say, I thought we were ready within a month to take on the 2010 Dubai Marathon with the aggressive time of sub four. It wasn't quite as big as it is now, but there was quite a few people at the race and they set off the pros at the start. And then my friend and I were nervously awaiting with the masses and we we're probably 
I think we were in a zone of about four hours. As the gun went off, it was still dark. It was actually quite cold and for Dubai. And I remember not seeing my friend from the start. From literally 100 meters, he wasn't around. And I was like, ah, oh, well, we trained together, but I guess we're going to run this separately. I'd find out later on that he didn't make it too much past the start <laughs> due to some gut irritation. So he never managed to complete his marathon. I'm not sure if he's actually done one to this day. I should find out. And the first half of it was actually absolutely wonderful. Run down to all, all the way down Beach Road, saw a few friends, family along the way. You turn down at the flagpole, just after the flagpole it was in, in that day. And then you start your way back up the Beach Road, which the first sort of 10K was not too bad at all. I remember when it started going a little bit wayward, when I could see Burj Al Arab and... I thought to myself, I, I definitely need to walk a little bit here because if I don't, I'm going to end up in real trouble. So I said to myself, I'll get to Burj Al Arab and then I'll have a little walk and then it'll be about 8K and I'll just finish the 8K. I didn't feel like I was getting much closer to the Burj Al Arab by each step that I took. <laughs> I actually felt like I was going backwards or Burj Al Arab was getting further away. And this went on for what felt like a few minutes, probably not too long at all, to a point where I said to myself, no, I need to just take 200 meters walk or 100 meters walk now. I'm not sure if that was my biggest mistake or the best thing I could have done because I then started running again and I didn't get more than 500 meters and I needed another walk and then I ran and then I walked and then I ran and then I walked. And it must have taken me I don't know how long, I don't really know how far away from Burj Al Arab I was, but I remember getting there and thinking, geez, I'm going to have to do this all the way up Al Sufa Road, but it's okay because it's only eight or nine K. Anyone who has, and this is what had happened to me, hit the wall in a marathon will know exactly what I was feeling. Eight or nine K to us today as we record this show or drive along in our cars as we listen to this show is not really that much of a big deal. But eight or nine K when you've already got 30 odd in the legs and you have nothing left is a slightly different animal. It was miserable. And as I kept looking down at my watch, as you do to check that the kilometers have passed by and that the minutes are not going too fast so that you're actually going to hit your target, I saw my target of four hours slipping away. With that thought came a mixture of emotions, but it wasn't quite real yet. And I said to myself, just keep going. We can still do this. We can still do this. As I crossed the line in four hours, two minutes and 26 seconds, I realized that I'd failed. I'd set a goal and I'd failed. And I had this real empty feeling on the finish line it was almost like I'd achieved something quite cool, but I was an absolute failure because the target that I'd set, I'd not hit. And that was odd. Not because I'd always hit a target, but because I'd set a target and I wanted to hit it at all costs. And I tried and it was hard and emotional and I was absolutely depleted, but I was stood there on the finish line on my own. And I just felt absolutely empty.
And I swore to myself that I would never, ever run a marathon again. Actually told one of my friends as we went out for lunch that afternoon, I said, he said, how was it? I said, it was horrendous. I'm never doing it again. And he just smiled. And if he listens to the show, he's probably, which he does from time to time, he's probably still smiling. And when I mention him now, he's probably smiling and laughing even more. But I'd failed. The first thing after playing rugby for so many years, after being on a big stage, playing in front of 25, 30,000 people, I tried at and I'd failed. But it was probably one of the best failures of my life. And it was definitely one of the failures that has led to what we have today as inner fight endurance and the ability to make so many people better at life through endurance sports. It was probably one of the catalysts in the birth of it. There was a number of other catalysts to where we've got to today along the way. And of course, a number of other failures. I'll come to those in a minute. To continue on the running journey, it was 2013 when I came across, or 2012, 2013, 2012, when I came across a lady that came to see me at the gym, the old, old, old gym, old, 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 have I done enough olds? The first gym, that, well, not the first gym, the third gym that we're in, we've actually worked out of seven different gyms across 18 years. Wow. We've been playing this game for a while now. That'd actually be an interesting show in itself. The timeline of in a fight. Anyway, not today. And she came in and she said to me, can you help me with ultra running? And I said to her, I said, I think I can help you, but I'm not sure about the ultra running. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I said, I know about sports. I know about sports science. I know a little bit about running, about strength training, weight training, call it what you will. I also know quite a bit about nutrition. But can you tell me the ultra running bit? And as we sat down and she started to explain it, I was mesmerized. I couldn't understand how she was going to go to the Sahara Desert and run for five days for 250 kilometers just with her backpack. It was just weird to me. And I said to her, I said, I can use all the other skills so long as you're willing for me to learn a little bit on the ultra running side, as we go, we could go on this journey together. And she said, yes, absolutely. I remembered as well when I ran my marathon in 2010, that gentleman turned around to me and said, that's not actually a real marathon. If you want to know about a real marathon, come back to me later. And of course, with my tail between my legs, about 18 months later, I went back to him. I said, yeah, I tried that marathon and actually I was a bit of a failure but what were you talking about? And then he introduced me to MDS, as, as did another client, Phil Gould, sent me a report of Marathon de Sable. And I thought to myself, as I read these words and listened to these words that these guys said, and then coupled it with what Doris had told me about her plans for ultra running, I thought this is truly something quite unique, quite special, and something that it would be quite good to have in my life. I need to get over my failure first. I need to set out and I need to run sub four hours, which of course, after a little bit of reflection and strapping up on a bib in 2013 was quite a straightforward exercise. It was 2014 when I had 
another massive failure in the world of endurance. As I took on a 300 kilometer race, which has only ever been run once <laughs> the time that I did it. Transomania, starting just south of Muscat, going through the big mountains down there and then finishing up with 140 kilometers across the Wahiba Sands, which for those of you that have followed the show for a while or been to Inner Talks or heard any of my blah, 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 would know that I've since been back, run across it and fat biked across it and I'm thinking what to do across it next. Bear crawl? No. Oh, that would be horrendous. What, there was a guy in lockdown that did the bear crawl in New York. A marathon or 100Ks. Yeah, anyway, we won't be bear crawling across it. Transomania. 50 people started, less than 15 finished. And I was one of the less than 15 that didn't, or the more than 15 that didn't finish. So not only had my entry into the world of marathon running been a massive, fat, stinking failure, but so had my entry into the world of ultra running. I should have really just shut up shop. <laughs> Gone and, I don't know, played bowls. I was watching lawn bowls the other day in the Commonwealth Games. High skill sport. Maybe I should have just jumped into that. Two big failures. Luckily, luckily, I mean, if luck's got anything to do with it, I was getting half decent at CrossFit and competing in CrossFit. So I guess if it was about my ego, <laughs> that would have been stroking it a little bit better. But this running malarkey wasn't, despite being quite successful at it at school and knowing all of the benefits of it from a health standpoint, from a community standpoint, and having a gut feeling inside that actually endurance was something that I wanted to bring in the business. The two entries, one into marathon running and the second into ultra running, I'd been an absolute failure at. I'm kind of glad to report that from there, things started to get a little bit better. In 20, actually in 2014, 2013, before we ran Transomania, I'd already registered for the 2015 Marathon de Sable. And fortunately, I found a lunatic, Tom Otten, who also knew nothing about running, but believed what I was saying. And when I told him it was a good idea that we go to the Sahara, he said, yes. So we went and we were successful. And I think about this a lot. I think about why I wasn't successful in my first marathon. I think about why I wasn't successful in Transomania. And I think about how my success started to turn with Marathon de Sable in 2015. Then a number of different ultra races leading into my 30 marathons in 30 days in 2018. What was the difference? Were those failures necessary? Were they the catalyst to success? Is failure ever a catalyst of success? Or are we on this spectrum and a different tipping point and different things are happening? I think it's really different for everyone. I know and I knew that we would move into endurance because it was something that I felt was in my DNA from an early age. But if I'd have gone on the results that I got in the early part of my endurance career, I'd have gone absolutely nowhere. And I don't think we'd have gone to the extent that we've gone to today, where we've got several endurance coaches helping over 400 people around the globe get better at life through endurance sports. If these failures were warning signals of future failures. So how do we wrap it up? 
How does it all come together? I'm not wrapping up yet. I still need another 10 or 15 minutes of your time. So if you're getting out of the car, don't stay in it. And if you're driving somewhere, make sure it's at least 15 minutes. How do we put it together? How do we deal with these empty feelings? How do we deal with the feelings of that finish line in 2010? I don't know is the answer. I don't have a magic wand, but I want to share what worked for me. And in 2010, I probably wasn't as wise as I am now 12 years later. I hadn't read as many books. I hadn't spoken to as many people about how the world works. I hadn't had the opportunity to ask thousands of people millions of different questions out of absolute curiosity as I enjoy doing so much today. But I know the first thing that helped me, and that was having a little bit of space to think. And some days, not to think. I didn't rush into throwing my trainers away, although part of me wanted to. I still went out and ran in the few weeks after. I didn't plan any more races to right the wrongs. It took a couple of years before I entered my next marathon. Because I sat, I sat with it and I processed it. I think in the current day, and also it was the case in that day, that we want to fix the failure as fast as possible. And I definitely do think that in some scenarios, this is a really good way. For some people, they need to get back on the horse straight away. But for others, and I think I was in this category, they're just thoughts that I'm sharing. I think I was in this category. I needed a little bit of time. I needed to understand what it really meant to me. I needed to visualize what I was going to do and where it was going. And I think through the fact that Doris came to me, a few more endurance athletes were coming through the doors and we were talking about endurance things and I was hearing about these great adventures and then I was starting to connect dots of how these great adventures actually helped to make people better at life. It then started to mean something to me. I don't think my first marathon meant enough to me. It was an absolute rebound for my rugby career. It was something to fill the time. Something like a what's next, just for having a what's next box to tick, if you like. And then I thought, well, do we go into things with failure in mind? And I think the answer has to be no. It's never something we prepare ourselves for. Sometimes with some athletes in coaching, we'll say, what happens if this doesn't go that way? What happens if that doesn't go the other way? But generally, we don't want to plant the seed. We don't want people to overthink things. So we never train the mind for it, which is a good and a bad thing, isn't it, right? Because if we train the mind for it, the mind would then go to work to complete the picture. But if we don't train the mind in some way for it, then when it happens, the mind doesn't know how to react to it. And that's why failure is such an interesting thing. It's such a powerful tool, but such a dangerous tool, but such a beneficial tool. It's really strange. Number one, as I said, was to create some space. Through that space and through a little bit more curiosity or a lot more curiosity, I knew that what I'd set out to do was actually very possible. 
It's just the way I'd gone about it that was wrong. And this was a, the same application when I entered Transomania in 2014. I knew that my approach was wrong in reflection. And this is why reflection is so, so important. Thinking about the way that I trained, thinking about the way that I approached the race in Transomania, the equipment that I had, the type of training I did before I went in, even down to the shoes that I had. The fact that entering a 300 kilometer single stage race was probably not the first type of ultra you enter. Maybe go 60, 80K single stage race and then maybe a multi-stage race and then you can go into something that's quite as long as that. It was funny because people asked me why I was doing it and I told them I was doing it to train for Marathon de Sable. They're like, this is 10 times harder than Marathon de Sable. And I actually didn't believe them until I went to Marathon de Sable. So when you sit back and you reflect, you can see where you went wrong. And if I hadn't have gone wrong, what would I have learned? Did I want to fail even if I could have my time over again now? Would I accept, not accept, but would I want both those failures? No, not at all. But they happened. And they happened the way they happened and they couldn't have happened any other way because they didn't. And from it, with good reflection, we can always learn. Lots of people say that to not try to do something is a little bit of a waste. But then a load of other people will say, I'm not going to try something to do that I know that I'll fail today. But I don't know, there's certain things. Let's look at 200 kilo deadlift. If your current PR is 100 kilos and you try and pick it up, you're going to snap your back and you're going to fail. I think there's sometimes where a little bit of honesty and reality around a situation is obviously super important. But when the margins are a lot finer, I missed that four hours by two minutes, 26 seconds. It was probably the most painful two minutes, 26 seconds of my life. When the margins are smaller, is the failure okay? Or is it harder? It's an interesting one, isn't it? And there's many people out there that will have failed and will continue to fail. And sadly, a number of people won't create space, won't reflect, won't think. They'll do what I was talking about just earlier. They'll enter another race to try and right their wrongs to try and confirm to themselves that they can run, in this case, sub four hours. Which is fine as well. But I think there comes a point where if we don't take stock, if we don't create that space, then we'll not be able to continue to be successful and we'll not be able to use failure to our advantage. So the failure of 2010 is one of the foundations of what we have now and what I have as an endurance athlete now. It fuels both my own personal interest, <laughs> obsession of endurance sports, and it also helps us to guide and navigate with athletes in inner fight endurance 
races that they should enter, times that they should aim for, failures that they will have, and how to overcome them. Would things have been different? I'm not sure. Would Fight Endurance be what it is? I'm also not sure. But I know that some of these events along the way, and I've just picked out a few of the milestones as well, provide a lot of the answers, a lot of the teachings, and a lot of the tools that I'm able to deploy as an endurance athlete, or a stupid runner, whichever one you want to call me. And we're also able to deploy and leverage to help so many other people enjoy the sport of endurance. I like the thought that not to try is to waste the gift of the day. I also like the thought of picking yourself up. Go and get some help. Get people to ask you difficult questions or questions that you think are difficult. Why did you fail? How did you prepare? Did you honestly think you would be successful? That's help. Help is putting your arm around someone, but help is asking the difficult questions so that when that person goes into the next situation, be it a race or a situation in life, they're a little bit well better prepared. No one really knows why it happens the way it happens. And sometimes when we think everything is going to happen smoothly, we could also fail for something that we never even thought about. Big fat failures give us big fat lessons. We can learn from the failures of others in a nice way. Play nice here, folks. And we can learn as much or more from our own failures. My big fat fail in January of 2010, I believe has helped me and helped many others. And it would be my one hope for anyone who's listened to the show and had a fail, which I'm sure you've had one or two, that you can use that fail to not only drive yourself forward, but also drive those around you forward as well. Thanks a lot for listening. If you have had a fail and you do want to talk about it, give me a shout, ms at innerfight.com or leave a comment somewhere, tag me in it, and I'll try and help the best that I can. Until next week, take care. Thank you.